0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 182, Burnin' Wall of Fire, recorded March 1st, 2015, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopi.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to The Linux Show. That's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the sultan of the soapbox cockerel. And joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the command line godfather, Neves, and Seth, the gooey kid, Anderson.
1: Hello, gentlemen.
2: Hello, everyone out there in Internet land, and I hope everyone had a great time and day.
1: You know, Mark, when you said that, I just heard, like, in Johnny Cash's voice I ran into a burning wall of <laughs> fire. And, uh, I did, too, to tell you the truth. Well, that was that so, ended, uh, um,
2: yeah. I also... My son's been doing the whole burn it with fire or oh, yes. kill it with fire for the last couple of days. So, yeah, I, I heard that, too, in my head.
1: Kill
0: it! Kill it with fire! So, uh, as promised, uh, a couple of weeks back, this is our firewall show. Not quite the Boris Box episode, uh, but maybe an updating, a follow-up. One of the listeners referred to it as Boris Box 2.0. I don't think we're quite there yet, uh, but we've had a lot of discussion uh, recently, a lot of uh, emails recently about uh, various firewall solutions uh, in the do-it-yourself vein. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But before we do, I want to tell you that I donated this uh, week in your name for the month of uh, February. I'm sorry, for the month of January. I, I, I was just catching up to January because I was, hadn't done it yet. Um, February, we still need the tickers to settle down. Anyway, for the month of January, I donated in your name to a project called Limbitless. Uh, And it's a bit of a cheat. It's not an OS, uh, an open source uh, software thing, but it's open source hardware. Limbitless Solutions does something pretty cool. They put together volunteers that started at a university uh, with a group of students there, and they 3D print artificial limbs for children. Um, And they give them to the children for free. So...
2: yeah, that's pretty darn cool. When I read this, I was like, I'd never heard of this thing before. So, before the show, I went and read it and I was like,
0: huh, that's pretty darn cool. Yeah. So, the problem is uh, artificial limbs are very expensive if you do the traditional route. Uh, and children grow so fast that the, they only get to use one for, you know, six months at the most. And insurance companies balk at that and most parents can't pay for it. So, this group, the Limbatless group, uh, said, let's make something that isn't as fancy but is functional and lets a kid have something that they can use for the 6 months until they outgrow it and then once their growth stable growth stables uh, stabilizes they can you know get a real you know artificial looking hand so these these hands don't look um you know bionic they don't look natural they're not flesh colored or anything they look like robot hands but frankly That's cooler to me. (laughs) If I was a six-year-old and I had one of these, I mean, that's the bomb right there. And they are bionic. They are uh, uh, controllable using um, motion sensors, um, not motion, muscle sensors. So the kids move um, what they call the residual limb, the stump. They flex an area in the stump, and it makes the hands close or whatever or twist. So they are fully articulated bionic arms uh, made out of relatively inexpensive uh, plastic materials and 3D printed and given to the kids for free. That's an amazing project. I hope you don't mind that I sort of cheated a little bit and donated in your name to this instead of say the Fedora Foundation.
2: I think it's okay. Um, Just for for the simple fact that what a cool a concept and if it actually, you know, takes hold and you know, maybe we can actually get bigger companies behind this type of idea. This is a really cool project. I'm really glad to be a part of it.
0: And all their designs are open source. So if you've got a 3D printer and some time on your hands, you can pick up the torch and start making these on your own. So I I love that.
2: Yeah. Uh, Anything that you can help somebody out and then yet, you know, maybe pick up the torch in your own area to do it too, that's pretty darn cool. I mean,
0: this is enough for me to get a 3D printer. This project would inspire me to buy a three D printer just to do this. Cause that is super cool. All right. Enough cool. about that. Seth, did you make it through Snowpocalypse Mageddon?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it was um I mean in, in terms of like, you know, Boston Northeast or Canada people, it was no big deal. But uh I missed two days of work. Actually I got paid to not go into work two days and to leave half a day early on Friday. because um, we had a lot of winter weather uh a lot relative to dallas winter weather and in the overreaction you know extraordinaire that the internet has become i thought the great name of snowpocalypse again could be the only thing that could possibly do justice to the uh the influx of snow and ice that dallas suffered yes
2: oh boohoo
1: <laughs> <laughs> i could say it's relative i know
0: i saw one of the one of my favorite facebook memes recently was it was a picture of dallas had a blizzard huh and it showed a picture of like a half an inch of of ice on some lawn furniture um denver called and said how cute and showed a picture of like eight feet of snow uh in denver so i, I thought that was great <laughs> um it is all relative though yeah Oh yes my workplace closed down at noon um and it was everybody go home uh, but you don't get the day off. You have those fancy security key fobs um, for a reason. Go home and work. Um, and, oh, and so yeah, it, when my work closes down, you don't get the day off. You you work work
1: remotely.
2: Um, that's what would happen with me too because nothing stops up here. Right. Well, Period. it
1: took me. You know, normally if I leave home in normal traffic, it takes me an hour and fifteen minutes to get home. Well, it took me like just under an hour to go the like five miles to get to the right. inner to get to the good moving road. So it took me just under two hours to get home Friday. Because everybody um, was
0: leaving at the same time. That, yeah. Well
1: and the, the roads inside the city were bad. Um it wasn't until I got out, you know, I of course I'm going to the least traveled way, so once I got out and got to the actual interstate the one path out of town that wasn't run over with Rex was luckily the path I was taking. So once I got up to that, it was good. But driving through downtown, something that takes 10 to 15 minutes took me an hour. Wow. And the next day, I waited until 7 to go
0: in instead of leaving at 6, just to give a little more time for some sunshine to edit. Right. And it was fine. It was It was a non-event here. But... Our schools closed down for four days, you know, just to make sure that everything was safe. Jesus. I, you know, I get it as a as a superintendent. I understand the the way they do things here. I don't know about uh, every state in Texas. Pretty much every city has it had its own school districts, and sometimes multiple within a city. Um, uh, here it's by county. So the county I live in, Cherokee County, is massive. It spans seventy miles in one direction. So the wow. far north end of that, almost up into the the Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, you know, wood uh, not Blue Ridge mountains, the, uh, Appalachia. What, what is the mountains anyway? It doesn't matter. Appalachian. Yeah. It's the Appalachian trail, but I forget the mountain range. Maybe it is. No, it's region. the Appalachian
1: mountains. Anyway,
0: uh, <laughs> they may have much more, uh, ice than we have down here. I live literally three or four miles, uh, into the County at the Southern end. So I'm just barely in the County. So I get that when things are sunny here, they may be bad there. Um, but they have to close school for everybody in the district, so it 's a little frustrating, but the the district that uh, where my wife works for a, for a school they they again four miles away um, they had nothing it was sunshine and roses, and they closed <laughs> school anyway and I was like, come on people this is this is really getting a little crazy and in fact, one of the days the, the first day they didn 't close school they didn 't announce schools were closed until like seven fifteen well, most days by seven fifteen, half the kids are already on their way to school, and some are even there already.
2: Right. right. Um, and so the at seven, and everything else. Right.
0: At seven fifteen, while kids are standing at the bus stop, right, um, they announced a delay that it would be ten o'clock. So imagine you're one of those parents that shows up at like seven forty-five because you've been in the car for thirty minutes, and they tell you, "No, go home and come back in two hours." Well, they had enough people mad at that. They just said, "Never mind, don't come back. School's closed." <laughs>
2: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I I couldn't imagine what that'd be like around here. I, there'd be pitchforks in people's heads. I think. Yeah. I, wow. I, I
0: would have been I would have been more than a little upset uh, at that turn of events had had my kids been in that school. But uh, as it was, my wife was prepared to go in late, and then she didn't go in at all. So it wasn't a big deal for us because we don't have kids in that school district. She just works there. Right. Um, it's it's a hard thing to be a school superintendent. I don't want that job.
2: No. I Nope, I wouldn't want it either, and I definitely am glad I'm currently out of the school districts, if you know what I mean.
0: And uh, before we go too much farther, uh, a moment of silence for the uh, the great Leonard Nimoy, Um a uh, man who had many roles but who will always be remembered as Mr. Spock. Uh, he passed right. this week after uh, a rather lengthy battle with a, a, um, a respiratory condition, we'll call it, at the age of eighty-three, so uh, yep. live long and prosper, Leonard Demoy.
2: That's for you. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's.
0: And so, Chris, you've got some new tech you want to alert us all to.
2: Well, I don't have it yet, but I'm going. I'm trying to see if I can get some spousal approval. Um, HTC this weekend released their new flagship for their phones called the M9. Um, which is wonderfully, you know, named considering last year's model was the M8. They're so brilliant there. Uh, which, as far as, um, flagship phones go, it is a flagship phone. Um, just like the M8 was, it's, it's priced the same way. The one thing that kind of got me kind of curious is I've really been getting into trying to get fitness, you know, and, and work, uh, and workouts and everything else. They, also released something called the HTC Grip which is a fitness uh fitness tracker that does a little bit more than fitness um and there isn't a whole lot available for it th- until just today so i didn't have i don't have a lot to tell about but it is have or it does have a little bit more than my um my current band from Polar which you know all that one does is is step count and Approximating your calories burned. This one does a little bit more, where it has a built-in GPS. It can actually tell the difference between if you're doing push-ups or if you're just running. So it's kind of a neat little thing. I I don't have a price tag on it yet, but it's it's one of those things where I'm gonna look at it. I'm gonna definitely call my little brother who tests these bands for his company, and I'm gonna ask him to try this one out to see what it's like. And um, maybe I can get my hands on one to try it out. Uh, so, hopefully, cross your fingers that I can test it and let you know soon. Um, you're you're all in on the HTC
0: bandwagon, aren't you?
2: You know, I've been very impressed with every HTC dev- device I've ever owned. Um, I've never had a bad one. The, my current phone, I've probably kicked it down the hallway a couple hundred times, and it's still purring like a kitten. Um, so, as soon as I get my lollipop on, I'll be even happier, but... You know, right now, I can't complain. My phone, you know, battery life for my phone, it's a year old, and it's still pulling, what, nine hours without being dead?
0: Well, say goodbye to that if you get Lollipop.
2: (laughs) I've heard. But I've also heard that the newer versions of Lollipop that they've been tinkered on um, are better. But I don't know which version I'll get pushed down from HTC and Verizon. So
0: 5.1. The vaunted 5.1 is supposed to fix all these things. Uh, the The most egregious thing about Lollipop, at least on the Nexus, but I've heard it's with other uh, platforms as well, is the memory leak. Um, you know, you, you know how your phone gets laggy when you've got a lot of stuff running. Well, it gets laggy when you don't have a lot of stuff running because it's not freeing up RAM. Ooh! Um, and it's uh, two two times a day, my phone locks up and reboots because it runs out of memory.
2: Wow, that is yeah. pretty rough. It is, but you know, maybe that's why HTC hasn't released it because I know they've right. been talk They were supposed to release release it by February, but they also said if it wasn't ready, that's not coming out of their gates until it is. So,
0: yeah, yeah I'm, I I got Good. the uh, th- I'm I, one of the Nexus beta testers, apparently.
2: <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons why I also dumped my uh, I dumped Android off of my Nexus Seven and went to Cyanogen. So. Yeah which is kind of nice. I, I like my Cyanogen. And if I don't like Lollipop, when it hits my HTC, I'll probably dump it again and and hit, break it and put on a Cyanogen on it.
0: So I cool. have a little bit of new tech. The Raspberry Pi 2 that I ordered uh, finally came in, uh, and I uh, found out the good and bad of being one of the first to buy something. Uh, first off, the device itself. Is pretty dang awesome. Um, same footprint as the original one, but that's it. Don't expect your cases to work on it because I, I foolishly thought that they would, but no. Things are totally moved around. Um, yeah, they they lose the uh, um, S video out that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, who's gonna miss that? Um, they added two more USB ports, so your USB ports ports don't line up. The power adapter is on nine on a. A different side so your case isn't going to work um so just be prepared you got to buy a new case and it requires twice the pa- uh, power so i had a one amp uh, charger on the old one and this one requires a two amp and it does really require it you can't uh, you can't expect it to work well on a one amp it'll power up but that's about it mm-hmm. uh, but Interesting. but also once i did that i found that uh uh by the way i'm using my ipad charger it's 2.1 amps and working like a champ so you, oh, you well, probably already have a 2-amp charger laying around.
2: Um, and I have and a, if not, you can go look and get one. They're pretty yeah, they're cheap, cheap nowadays. Yeah.
0: So I uh, also, because it's a different chipset and a different system, the whole thing, you you can't pop an SD card out of a Pi and plug it into a Pi too. That That's not surprising. Um, and when I went to put uh, Raspbian BMC that I've been using for my media center, I found that Raspbian BMC does not support... Pi two, um, I had to move to OSMC, which is the su- su- um, successor to Raspbian C, but it's still in alpha state. So fun, yeah. Um, mm. It's okay. It's wor- it's working fine, but it's immature. I don't have a lot of the plugins and things that I ha- was accustomed to using. So you know, I-, I understand if you're a developer, you're killing one project, you want to move to another. It would take a significant amount of work. To, to update your new one to a different hardware set. I understand that from the standpoint of making the developer's life easy. But as a consumer, um, I'm frustrated by that. And I can't say right. customer because I didn't pay for it. It's a free thing, you know. Right. Um, but as a consumer, it's frustrating that when I bought a something with a 600% performance gain, the only way I could realize that was to put alpha software on it.
2: Um, that kind of hurts. I I was hoping that there'd be a little bit better. but
0: Uh, The Plex uh, client does work on it. Uh, That was the first thing I tried, and I just didn't like the Plex client. Um, It's just there's nothing wrong with it. I just didn't like it It, in terms of the way I like to interact with my stuff. Everything Mm -hmm. was cover flow, and that annoys me. When there's just one stream, I've got 300 movies. And if I want to watch Wolverine, flashing through the the cover flow version, starting it at... um, you know, fifty Numbers. first dates, yeah. going all the way through to Wolverine, takes way more time than I'm willing to invest. Um, so after dinking around with it for maybe ten or fifteen minutes, I looked to see if I could find a way to change the interface, and and I couldn't. Uh, it, it, maybe it's there if you're a a, a Plex uh, client fan and you wanted to set the record straight, great. Uh, but as it is, I couldn't. I couldn't find anything useful at all. Uh, it, it, not useful. Let me. Refer you. I couldn't find anything I liked. So I went with the OSMC, and it's fine. It's working great, and uh, it's a lot faster, and my my movies don't. I'm now running at 1080p instead of 720p, uh, and it never bogs down at all. So all in all, worth doing, and uh, I probably will move ahead with the um, the Boris Box Pi-based product that we were talking about. I, I had a good bit of feedback on that. Um, Door-to-Door Geek, our good friend, recommends that I check out the Pi um banana pie two uh first banana pie pro it's their latest version of the banana pie that is supposed to be a better system on a chip than the raspberry pi two so i'll probably get one of those and check it out they're they're more expensive um which you know if i'm looking to sell a product at barely break even prices more expensive is a problem uh, but right. i will get one and check it out if it's you know if it's 50 percent more expensive and 200 percent better performing it's probably worth it um, yeah i'll just have to see
1: you know I'm, who hey we could have multiple products you know That's we good. could have the budget boris box and then the bloated <laughs> boris box yeah there you I, go and i did i did have somebody write in and
0: say how about a nas box sans hard drives just a pre-configured nas with our logo on it based on a pi um not a bad idea um something i might uh, look into there you go mm. so i do i do listen or read um or anyways. both so one last thing, I have a a um, plea. I need a. Uh, I mentioned it a couple of shows ago that I, for some reason I can't get to my own servers anymore. Uh, AT and T is blocking my host, Host Monster. Um, I don't know why. It's not at my. I've I have done all my due diligence. It is nothing inside my network that is causing it. It's about three hops down. It just dies. And they blocked it, and then it came back, and then they blocked it, and then it came back, and now it's been blocked for about two weeks. So now, in order to administrate my own servers, I have to go through a public proxy to post this website, uh, this po- uh, uh, podcast every week, or to look at my own forums. Uh, so, what, I, what I'm asking um, until I can figure out how to resolve this issue. Uh, I'm asking for somebody in the audience who has good bandwidth and technical know-how and would be willing to trust me with a proxy access. If you would set up a proxy server and send me a login to it, I would appreciate it just so that I could administer administer my own freaking website. That would be awesome. So if you can do it, great. If not, that's fine. I just thought, I know somebody out there is a network admin (laughs) for somewhere who can do that. With spinning up on a VM and never notice it,
2: right? Yeah, that'd be kind of yeah. Would Would you be able to do a like if you signed up for one of those VPN systems where you're where you're tunneling to a VPN? You know, tunnel I, out.
0: I could, but I don't want to pay to fix a problem with my ISP. Plain and simple, right? <laughs> Until I, I'm I'm on them to try to fix it. But, right, you know, I don't want to pay ten bucks a month to fix their problem.
2: Hmm.
0: And all the free thinking, ones are super, super slow.
2: Are they? I like, didn't know how you, bad that is. You get like a
0: hundred k bandwidth as the you know, as the
1: trial. Just hey, you see Dude, how? Dude, well I works? wish I had a hundred k bandwidth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
0: And then uh, some of them don't do SSL, right? Because that's the pro version.
2: Anyway, sure, right. I just thought that you know that's an idea. Um, I know if it comes down to it, that might be something we end up looking into. Yeah,
0: at this point, I it I'm only doing it a few times a week. Um, and it's super annoying, and I'm just hoping that somebody in the audience can come to my rescue. If not, you know, I'll continue doing what, doing what I'm doing. Uh, I can tether through my phone to do basic administration, but I don't want to upload a, f- a show that
2: way. Ooh, that would be painful.
0: Yeah, well, not only is it slow, but it eats bandwidth. Then
2: and- right. So, so unless you're on unlimited, it's not worth it. Right.
0: So I find some public proxy somewhere and hope they're not sniffing my traffic as it goes through and, and do it that way. Uh, okay, moving on to our listener feedback. Excuse me. Uh listener feedback. Joe has a question about firewalls. How appropriate for this show? He says, Hey guys, I know this email is late for tomorrow's podcast recording. Hint he sent no, it's it yesterday. Not. <laughs> uh, but I hope you cover of the, f- a few of the firewall distros. I tried IP fire, but the web interface had a lot of problems. Uh, uh so as to be unusable, I successfully tried Sophos and it was a very feature rich UTM unified threat management, by the way, is what that mean. And probably overkill. I'd like to hear what you guys think of clear OS. <laughs> you you mentioned overkill and clear OS in the same sentence. Um, Yeah. James. (laughs) Uh, Also, uh, it's also a gateway slash UTM. I haven't tried it, but it looks feature-rich like Untangle or Sophos. I ultimately went back to Untangle because it was what I was used to, so easy to set up and configure, and the web GUI is noob-friendly. I have... I was too imid- intimidated to try PF Sense, but every podcaster and stranger on the internet that uses it seems to be very happy with it. One yep. more thing I hope you cover, the freemium model. Untango, Sophos, uh, and ClearOS all have free versions for stuff for home users and paid versions for the enterprise. If there's a paid version of a web filter or virus blocker, I assume the free version is either a lesser version or gets, gets updated at a later date. Otherwise, why would people pay for the paid version? What's your opinion on the freemium model? Uh, good or a false sense of security. So let's address those. Chris, any comments on? I know you're a PF Sense guy. Uh, that isn't yep. a spoiler for later in the show.
2: No, it's not a spoiler. I've been touting PF Sense for a while. Um, the freemium model is actually not too bad of a thing to use. Uh, a lot of times, uh, products like Untangle or Sophos, they use the freemium model as a um their updates come down. A little bit later, usually um, they have a limiter built into those freemium models, so you can't have as many clients as the paid version. So they watch um, unique Mac IDs, and they will li- will limit you on how many um, connections you can have through it. Uh, not all of them are. Uh, I know some of the newer versions of Untangle watches the Macs and will slow down traffic accordingly. Um or but, also,
0: mo- most of the time what they pay for is uh, something like multiple user, like tying into an LDAP or, a, uh, yep. or an AD uh, database. Uh, Untangle, I know, has that. Uh, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw that in there. Go ahead.
2: Sure. The Like for – and I'm, I'm not I'll, – I'll, I I want to hold on to a couple of the good things about PFSense until we talk about it later. But um, I would definitely go back and try PFSense um, – just for the simple fact that the the features that you're looking for, such as the, UF, the UTM stuff, uh, PFSense has in spades, and then you'll be able, the only thing you have to worry about is trying to find all the config files yourself, but they, there's an option for that too. So um, anyway, I like the freemium model. Uh, PFSense is that particular breed right now because you can pay for it um, and get support Or you can just do it yourself and not worry about it.
1: Yeah, I'll just kind of throw in there that a lot of times it's kind of, it's the same engine in the car, but you don't necessarily get to configure it and tweak it as much. Um, Like, for example, Untangle, which we'll be talking about later, there is a a web filter version and a web filter light version. They basically do the same thing, but if you have the one that you pay for, you can like customize whitelist and blacklist and there's some features like Google did YouTube for schools that you can allow. And so you get more reporting capabilities, more customization capabilities, and more ways to tinker. They both do the same thing, but the free version is kind of like, here's the services you get, and then the paid version Hey, we're going to kind of, we're going to let you raise the hood and tinker and switch out the, you know, the carburetor and the air filter and stuff like that. So you can do more with the freemium, but I would not call it a false sense of security. Um, it's, it's just a way to, you know, you want web, you want, um, web filtering. Great. Do you want the ability to customize your web filtering? You know, then that's going to cost extra. So one gives you everything you need. The paid version allows you to configure it more to the exact thing you're looking for. Right. And generally
0: speaking, in my i I've used three or four different of the freemium models. The free one is fine for a small um, office or home with without I feel strong uh strongly confident in being able to say that the free version is fine for home use or even a small office uh, the reason the premium version is there is because when you step up in in size and in complexity, you need more capability
2: yep yeah I would agree with that that's a pretty blanket way of saying it the and the nice thing is is no matter what freemium model or paid model you end up going with, the baseline security Is all the same right so you know even if you're and that's the only big difference between any of these things technically is all the what extra bells and whistles do you get um because everyone is based on a similar baseline of security so you just need to know where you're where you're comfortable at you know do you want more gooey or do you want less gooey do you want what you know what level of things can you deal with And we'll cover some of that later on today.
0: All right. And uh, next up, Heinrich... I don't know if that's how he says his name or not, but that's how I'm saying it. Uh, he says, hey, the thorough Swede here. My girlfriend loved that description. Uh, but don't worry, this will be fairly short one. Uh, I think it wise to mention that the, to the listeners that a home router usually doesn't allow normal DMZ, as in how Mark explained it, but it does allow picking an IP to be the DMZ host. Uh, better not confuse the two. Configured correctly, a DMZ host could be really dangerous as all traffic not explicitly sent to another service on the network, forwarded ports, explicit routing directives, etc., will be sent to a specified IP. Uh, That traffic will all be completely bypassed the user's firewall. This can be very convenient if you don't want to have to forward everything in the kitchen sink to a specific machine, but the host will be completely unprotected. Basically, the DMZ host could be the public face of your LAN as the router, as if the router wasn't there. Cheers and thanks for the show. So I, I guess I wasn't clear on that. That's exactly what the listener that we were responding to wanted um we talked about bridge mode uh and we talked about the dmz mode essentially both of those give your uh, the idea is you have your internet providers router and then you have another router inside that and the dmz uh, host mode uh or the the bridge mode basically gives your router um a public ip address that's what we were going for yes that's dangerous don't do that unless there's another device behind it because that's called stupid um
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: For lack of a better term, stupid yes, that is called stupid. It does, yeah.
1: my mama always said.
2: So, <laughs> uh,
0: So, Hendrik, thank you very much for correcting me. If somebody out there, I mean, you're a smart guy and you didn't get that. So if somebody else who's not as smart as you didn't get that, I could be on the hook for, for major damages. Don't do bridged mode or DMZ mode unless you have another hardware device. Don't count on software between that and your network. Yes, bad things will happen. Not can happen, will happen.
1: Or maybe have already happened, and you just don't know it
2: yet. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that. Yeah, just. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> you know, like the Lizard Squad. Um, you know, they're kind of a, a poor man's Anonymous from. You know, all the stuff I've read that that's how they mount their DDoS attacks is through compromised home routers. So, um. Or at least that was the main place they were getting them from all of, you know, again, what security stuff I've read said that. So, again, if you have something like that, hopefully you've changed your default password. Hopefully you've changed, um, you know, maybe Everything. your default username and disabled uh, when or Internet side management. Um, if not, pause it and yeah. go do that go now. Go do
0: that right now. Yeah. Um. I had a, I've probably told this story before sometime in the last 181 episodes, but I'm going to do it anyway. I had a friend, uh, older guy, uh, late 60s, I'm going to guess. Um, this was several years ago. He was still running Windows 95, and that's back when a lot of people were still running Windows 95, but XP was the dominant platform. And we got to talking about viruses and such, uh, and he said, you know, uh, I have never um, had an antivirus, and I've never had a virus And I said, well, if you've never had an antivirus, how do you know you've never had a virus? Um, And he said, well, you know, nobody's ever told me, hey, you're sending me bad files. And I was like, "Um, yeah, that's not how you know. I said, if you're running a Windows 95 machine without a firewall, you have a virus. I I feel 100% confident in telling you that you have many viruses, not one. You have many viruses. Even if you're just connecting through a dial-up modem, but certainly if you have a broadband connection, you, my friend, are what you call infected. So I gave uh-huh. him a copy of AVG, the free version. I no longer believe in AVG, but I did back then. They were actually a good product at one time. Um, and I had him take it home, and ironically, not surprisingly, actually, so actually, absolutely non-ironically, my web server, uh, my mail server, and the mail server I ran for the church that we both went to, the spam that it was started filtering out dropped dramatically, like 40%. <laughs> <laughs> and and I didn't put the two together at the time. And then he came back to me later, and he said, you know, I put that thing that you gave me on my computer, and it found 4,000 viruses. And I said, ah, now I understand the problem. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nice. So, well, wait a minute. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say, you don't believe in AVG anymore? Uh,
0: no, no. I, I no longer do. They they are now more bloatware than they need to be.
1: So yeah, what do either. you use on your Windows machines?
0: Uh, I run um, the the much uh, maligned uh, Microsoft Defender.
2: Oh, you're one of those people. Yeah, I am. <laughs> so, yeah, personally, on my wife's and my kids' computers that are Windows, they are all running Bitdefender. Um, that's, Bitdefender? Yep. I was a Bitdefender reseller, so I figured if I'm going to sell it, I might as well run it. And I had it installed on, I bought a family license and installed it on every device that my family owns, including the tablets and phones. Hmm. Huh.
0: So the Microsoft, it used to be Security Essentials, now it's Defender, um, is not good at zero-day, um, at deflecting zero-day viruses. That that has been established over time. But my, many, many places, pieces, people aren't good at zero-day. The only way you find a zero-day, which means it's never been known before, is to use a heuristic analysis. You analyze behavior of something and mm-hmm. say, this looks virus-like. That is will every time it's tried result in false positives. Bit Defender or, or def- Microsoft Defender uh, Security Essentials don't use a heuristic analysis. They, de- they depend on pattern matching. So there's almost never a false positive, meaning it stays out of the user's way. Yep. So I'm willing to take the chance that you know lightning might strike me on a zero-day scenario uh, and be able to use my machine on a regular basis rather than employ something like AVG or, or, you know, any uh, Panda, these really good ones that are wrong even once uh, and get in my way. I don't want antivirus stuff to get in my way. So that's the reason I use the built-in stuff. It stays out of the way, it doesn't hamper performance, and it just works.
2: And Um, it's a pretty good system. Um, Granted, I will still stand up and scream Bitdefender, um, but I do like you know the the clean and out of the way of security essentials now defender so as long as you are a knowledgeable user i will agree with you <laughs> yeah take basic
0: it you know it's like you you put on gloves before you give somebody a shot right basic protocols uh will keep you safe um and and security essentials is one of those basic protocols and not clicking a link that comes to you in an email is another basic protocol um you know again we use gmail gmail is a very because mail is a is the primary way that viruses propagate and gmail runs really good servers with heuristic analysis on their side Uh, so very rarely does anything come through that's even remotely suspicious via email uh i know not to click on random things on the web and I've trained my kids uh, if if in doubt don't and ask dad uh so we haven't had a problem uh, and yeah. so I don't see any reason I should use the things that do get in the way when you know I don't have a problem of course you could say like my friend if you if you don't have a if you don't have a virus detector that can detect zero days how do you know you don't have a problem uh well they are updated pretty regularly
2: Right. Yeah, there. Yeah, that's one of the nice things about Microsoft is they do update that thing pretty, pretty frequently. Um, it's is it still based off their, uh, uh, what is that the the corporate version of their antivirus? Um, what is the name of that thing? Forefront.
1: Well, I don't remember. <sighs> don't get me started on Forefront. <laughs> we have. Oh my gosh. It, you know. Well, I mean, I guess I love Forefront. It keeps me in a job. So um, yeah. it keeps me busy at my job. So yay, Forefront, way to be there, represent Microsoft. Um, yeah,
2: well I exactly.
0: So that's why I don't want to run something that I'm going to have to hire somebody to, to to fix. I was
2: going to say, I knew there for a long time it was based off of the, that stuff. So I was curious to see if it was still, I didn't know if it still was or if they've moved on to a different engine. or. Um, yeah, I'm a little out of that game.
1: Yeah, I don't remember. I, I don't recall. I, re- just, I remember they purchased Giant, and I don't know that they've ever equaled the level of excellence that Giant had before they purchased them. So, All right, moving on.
0: Uh, this is not the antivirus show. That comes later. Okay, uh, <laughs> sorry. So, so we'll get to some news of the week a bit later. Um, we're going to jump in now to um, – Firewalls. Building your own firewall, uh, you know, uh, managing your own firewall. Should you dump the little blue box that you got from Best Buy? Um, spoiler, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and if so, what are some of the options out there and what's good for the advanced user and what's good for the novice? And all of these, unsurprisingly, run on some version of Unix, Linux, yep. um, you know, uh, free BSD or something like that. And if you uh, don't know anything about anything and before you dive into building your own firewall, you want to get some Linux learning on, I'd like to recommend our friends over at the Linux Academy uh, You can go there and use their step by step video courses that are designed to take you from being a beginner to a certified professional. Um, they do this via now several hundred uh, uh, training videos that are growing every day. Uh, this uh, that. That are not just videos. They have the PDF study guides that go along with it. They have the quizzes that go along with those. They have the practice exams once you're ready to to see if you're ready to go out in the big wide world. Uh, they have my favorite uh, feature: the the lab environment where you get four up to four simultaneous virtual uh, servers running in the cloud on on the internet uh, in a protected way. So you can actually get experience uh, with a client server architecture. You get to do what what you're seeing. Right, the videos show you. The study guides let you read and digest, and the lab lets you do and break stuff. And I'm a break stuff guy. I can can memorize what I read, and I can emulate what I watch, but I never learn until I break stuff. So for me, the lab is the most important thing. Some people out there, some of you guys could just read it and got it. All right, I'm good. So for you, don't even look at the videos. Just read the study guides and go. Um, Some of you guys are super visual. You can just watch it, and you've got it. I, I, I'm I, not one of those guys. I need to do stuff. So the lab gives you that. You can run uh, up to, you've got eight different distributions to choose from. You have four of them running simultaneously uh, um, using real Internet protocols in a safe environment. So if you blow something up, you just hit the restart button, and you start all over again. It's running in Amazon's web cloud. It's lightning fast and, and highly reliable. Um, they're also adding new features that are non-Linux, right? They've got Amazon Web stuff, by the way. They're running their stuff on Amazon web servers. They know something about it. They have courses on that. And they have, uh, you know, a new course that they added recently, Ruby on Linux. So the Ruby, Ruby programming language uh, on Linux. So you get to learn a little bit about Linux. You get to learn about a little bit about Ruby. Uh, and at the end, you end up with a program, a tool that you wrote yourself, that you can use. So... All sorts of great stuff going on, independently certified as high-quality content. And another neat feature that they added just recently is learning plans. You tell them, you tell Linux Academy when you're available and how many hours a week uh, you want to spend doing something, and they'll write a syllabus for you, complete with daily emails saying, hey, today you need to watch these videos, you need to take these tests, you need to do these labs to be on track with what you said you want to do. And I think that's amazing. You just won't get that anywhere else um, for you know such a reasonable price, and what is that reasonable price? How does twenty five dollars a month strike you? Cheap, pretty hard. Twenty five, twenty five dollars a month uh, is their highest price, and that's a pittance, right? If you want to buy three months, so so you try a month, you you test it, you you, you on my word, on faith in in that I've built up over one hundred and eighty one episodes, that you trust me to not steer you wrong. You invest $25. You, you look around 25. for a month. Yeah. You spend your time. You look and see. And at the end of that, you're going to want to buy more. You just are. So then you can go with bigger chunks. Like anything else, the more you buy, the less expensive it is. If you buy a quarter, which is three months, that's $65 uh, as opposed to $75. So that's a $10 discount. If you buy annually... It's $215 for the years, which breaks down to just under $18 a month. So you get a significant discount there. And if you go to their, uh, use the uh, link, uh, linuxacademy.com slash everydaylinux, there will be special pricing there, so you won't even pay that much. But even if you pay their full rate of $25 month to month, it's still going to be worth it. So linuxacademy.com, let them know that uh, we sent you
1: definitely yeah i was just um i just logged in to my linux i pay for this you should do um if you know me you would stop what you're doing now and sign up that's how the fact that i pay for it says um they have several we've never even talked about before, but um if you are somebody who likes to automate stuff because you don't want to be doing the same tedious task over and over in the Linux world, there is a software called Puppet and they have a cert prep course for Puppet. Um, You know, we've talked about the Red Hat um Enterprise 7. They have things for Docker. Docker is super big in the virtualization world now, and they've had that course out since December. So there's tons of things out there. It's You can learn Linux here, but you can learn so much more. It's just like, you know, if you're hired as a Linux admin, you're not only going to be doing Linux stuff. You're going to be, you know, the software that runs on Linux. And so this class isn't just for Linux but this is your one stop shop for technical certification almost i mean there's no windows courses here but you know i don't know maybe they'll launch windows academy before too long but if you're going to be in the back room type thing linuxacademy.com is a great place to go and you can't find this quality for this price anywhere else
0: all right yeah enough said about that now let's move on to um the the burning wall of fire. Does it? I wonder if people even know what a firewall is. It's such a uh, regular, uh, regularly used word. Do you even know what it is? So
2: I would, I would guess probably not.
0: In a building, uh, every, uh, every depends on the regul- regulations of where you are, but every so many feet, or with uh, it may be how many people are expected to occupy it, you have to have a firewall. That's an extra thick wall. That it takes fire a long time to burn through. So, let's say your typical two sheets of sheetrock with a steel partition in between the uh, or steel stud in between them takes 15 minutes for fire to burn through. That's, uh, that sounds about right to me. A firewall would w- might be required based on the code of where you live to to take 45 minutes to go through, or an hour and 45. Depends on where it is. Uh, and 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 what it is so well, and it uh, also
1: depends on the level you know there's right.
2: there's different ratings of firewalls yep. depending so. on what's what it's it's surrounding um some of the work I did as um i was you know around buildings when they were first going up and for my home business um like around an elevator that firewall has to be i mean that was super th- i mean it was what four inches thick, five inches thick, right. something like that of just wall material um and all the seams had to be painted with a special fire retardant paint so uh it it would take extra long to go through that
0: so the idea of a firewall is not to stop a fire but to let you get out right and so in a in a car every car has a firewall between the engine and the passenger compartment that requires x amount of time for a fire to get through so when we started building perimeter protection around our devices so we started out with with routers and bridges that were just wide open to the world, um, and you know, it was like open windows and doors. So somebody decided, you know what, we should probably protect some of this stuff. Not everybody in the, on the Internet is a nice guy. Did you know that? It's true. Not oh everybody on the inter- Internet is a nice guy. You're kidding So you're kidding the me. concept of the, of the Internet firewall came about, and the idea of an Internet firewall is to slow things down. A firewall is not guaranteed protection. It just slows the people down. Depending on how good they are, it may not slow them down for long. So everything we've talked about here with, uh, that we're about to talk about will not stand against you know a Russian hacker who's really determined at what he does. Um, it's just not going to happen. Boris can get through your Boris box. But the idea is to make it hard for them, not be a soft target. So I want to set the, the expectation right here. You are not going to be perfectly safe behind any of these things that we talk about but you will be much safer than you would be without it.
1: And I've just got to interject with a construction story here, um, because it, in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter what you're using. If you don't configure it correctly. Amen. I was working, um, I was working um a temporary agency doing some construction because I have a background in that and they had just built this mat, this firewall and it was like two inches thick, uh specially rated material, blah, 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 all of that. They got it signed off that yes, this meets code. And then what do they do? They cut a two by two foot square right smack in the middle of it to run <laughs> conduit and cable through. And I'm like, um, Am I the only one who sees a problem with the fact that a firewall has a two foot hole in it? Well, you have to run conduit. But no, they didn't like run conduit, you know, that was also rated. It was a hole that they ran cable through. And I'm like, dear Lord. And so, yes, they had a firewall. But they did not configure the opening through their firewall correctly. So you can have the ultimate Boris box that he came out of retirement and built one for yourself. But then if you just set everything to bypass mode, you're wasting what it can do. So again, just because you say, oh, they talked about Untangled on uh, Everyday Linux, I'm running Untangled, therefore I'm secure. Well, I mean, you run Untangled, great, but did you add any of the modules? If you added them, did you turn them on? Um, so <laughs> and did you configure them? Not, yeah, it's not just installation; it's also configuration. So, okay, I just had to, uh, right. I just had to
2: share that back to you. Mike. That's a good story. And, that was a good right. story. <laughs> and uh, like, like
0: any wall, nothing gets through if you don't put a hole in it first, right? Most most of the holes we have in our walls are called doors. Yep. Or doorways, right? So if you configure your firewall, um, not, uh, using no filters, no blocks, no allowances, nothing gets through. So at that point, you might you might as well have just unplugged your Ethernet connection. The problem comes: you've got to let stuff through. You've got to let web traffic through because that's probably why you want a router. You've got to let certain video game traffic through. You've got to let media server traffic through. So every time you do that, you're punching a hole in that firewall. You're making it less secure. Understand that. There's no such thing as network security. You are either secure or you are networked.
2: Yeah, There is no such of thing of the both. All right,
0: now, having said all of that, uh, let's look at uh, what this all started from uh, some listener feedback, and also Chris um, is looking to move on to something else. Possibly. Uh, mono Wall is no more, and he's looking to see if he wants to move on to something else. So I want to break these down sort of um, in, in um, uh, most turnkey to least turnkey. Okay. So I, I think the, one of the best places to start in terms of most turnkey is Untangle. Because it's one of the drop-dead easiest things to use I have ever seen. And so I've used it. Chris has used it. Seth went ahead and decided he was going to own that one this week. And he he installed it and has been playing with it. So, Seth, take it away about Untangle.
1: All right. Well, yes, I've been just relying on my generic. Uh, now, I didn't buy the generic blue box. I bought an off-brand. I paid some extra money to get some features. But, so it's a black box. Yeah. Well, um, actually Great. it's white. Okay. So, uh, but, uh, so that's what I've been running for this, all the years I've had it, but I thought, okay, I'm going to stick a, am uh, going to stick a box. I'm going to take one of my old computers and I'm going to install this on it. And so I downloaded untangled. I used, um, I took the ISO and I burned it to a USB. We we've gone over all that before. And I booted my computer off that USB and went to install. Uh I'll tell myself here, I just picked a computer off my sack at random and I opened it up and I go, yep, that's how it, that has a hard drive in it. It's good to go. But what I didn't look is is the hard drive connected and powered on? And <laughs> so whenever it went to format the disk, I did not realize, but I formatted the USB, the USB key, key that I had inserted in there. And so all of a sudden my installation wasn't working. And then whenever I take that drive out, <laughs> I'm looking at a plain USB stick. So I had to reburn the ISO. I'm and laughing open because
0: up. I've done that. Yep.
2: I've done it too.
1: I opened up the case and go, oh, there's the problem. They say the cable isn't connected. Oh the power's not connected either. So I did that, uh reburned the USB, got it on there Now, I will say one of the areas of improvement since the last time I installed Untangled is there are, uh, you know, I installed a, I bought a second NIC card this week to put in there. And I just had one plugged in because I thought, you know, it would be easier. But now I don't have to refresh or anything. It will auto sense your connection. And it was just as simple as whichever one of these is connected. Uh, drag it to the top and the system switched it automatically to external. So once I had my external connection set, I then plugged in the other one that went to my wireless router and my internet started working again throughout the whole house. So that used to be kind of a, it was kind of an ordeal to okay which k which nick do i have uh is this the internal is this the external so they they have made that super simple to figure out which cable is going into which nick on your machine and you get that going um so i got it to install i chose my good uh super secure password for untangled you, you have to register with Untangle site to download software. So I chose a different password, a uh, super secure password for that. And, um, then I started downloading the modules. Now, one thing I don't like is now there is no indication of which ones are free and which ones are paid. All the paid ones have a two week free trial and some of them, like there's the web filter and the web filter light. I correctly deduced that the light is the free version, but then there's other things that aren't, uh, and so I had to go online and look to see which ones were free and which ones were uh, paid. Yeah,
0: you uh, used to have to go to two different sections in the interface, the paid yeah, interface right. and the free interface. Yeah,
1: and there's not quite as many. Um, I don't remember there being, I remember there being more choices. Um, so they have kind of simplified some of their choices before, uh, and you know, there aren't as many options as there was. Uh, one thing I am a little bummed about the packet shaping, there really isn't any kind of packet shaping that's free. You have that's to go, true. you have to go paid. Um, I don't like that it's from zero from one to 10 devices is one price and then 11 up to like 50 if you have a family of three or four, you probably have 10 internet work connected devices. And I'm not even talking about your nest thermostat and each light bulb that has a nick on it, but you know, it's easy to get 10 devices with even just one person, much less two or three or four. Um, so so the price is there. And plus I think their prices on their paid things, they aren't for the home user. Therefore, um, you know, an organization that has a little bit more money. They, their paid versions, I think, are a little too expensive for especially our audience to, uh, to run the paid versions at their house. But it was super simple to set up. Um, you know, I didn't have to go in. And I just said, pick, you know, be DHCP from the ISP. Um, and then, you know, you can be a router to my network. Um, and then I didn't have to reconfigure my wireless router to get to it. It automatically goes through. And then I have the security, you know, and turned on everything. And, you know, it's just a matter of going in and playing with the settings to tailor it to what you want. But it is super simple to set up, um, super simple to download. Um Super simple to install it's really you just like I say, you want to make sure you have a hard drive plugged into the computer you install untangled on
0: one of my favorite things about Untangle is their visual interface. They spent yes. some time on that, so when you when you fire it up you're looking at a rack just like you would if you were standing in a server room like there's there's rails on the side with screw holes, and then when you add that packet shaper it grabs a device and screws it into the rack and then there's a power button where you turn it on yeah. so things are very clear and very logical and the the thing at the top takes precedence over the things below it so it's very easy to see what data what path your data is going through and you can swap things around if you need to um so it's it's really simple uh for anybody who's done anything you know even from you know uh, building a uh stereo a component system at your house anytime anybody who's had any experience with plugging in different devices um can look at this and go oh i get this i understand what they're yeah. what
1: they're doing here um it's easier and- than setting up your wireless router i totally believe that because well in my experience those those one push buttons to automatically configure they have never worked for me not one time ever um, this is easier than configuring your wireless router that you bought
0: and if you're, if you're in a, an uh, enterprise environment, the reporting is fantabulous. Yep. It's, it's one uh,
2: of the, it's one of the reasons that, uh, my old school district is still running it. The Billy, um, cause they have it tied into their Active Directory. So they can actually pull a report on a independent person, uh, because of the, the version that they have and the way I had it set up. So if they want to find out what Johnny's been searching for the last month, they can load up his, you know, do a, a reporting just on him, get his traffic usage, his his internet history, everything. So now
1: that that you mentioned, Chris, that's a paid module. you yes. very expensive. Actually. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's very expensive. Um, but the and that the school wanted it, and they ended up getting it. Uh, the other thing that I will definitely say is they are very helpful for customer service on the paid version. Um. I know when I when I had issues getting some of the configurations to work, I called their tech support line. It was okay. It was they first would say, "It's this information is listed here in the in the wiki for your information for later, but let me see what's going on. Can you allow me to have a remote view of your server for temporary, and I'll help you configure it right now." So. You really can't ask for much more than that. Yeah.
0: Now, because it has all the whizbang bang uh, GUI and all that, it's also one of the heaviest ones in our list. Yeah. Um, it's going to require um, probably a 2-gig Pentium for your regular home
2: user. I would say um, almost a, a dual-core, personally. Yeah. I, I don't even think i leave it on a single-core.
1: Well, I did a single-core... And I have like four gigs of RAM. And so it gave me a little thing. And it said your memory was great. Your processor was okay. So, but again, at most, there's going to be two people doing things. And really, with the bandwidth I have, I could have probably found a P3 and it would have worked okay. So, uh, but yeah. You know, I would say this would be your definitely starter um, firewall anybody and then you know you can go in and kind of play with some of the features and then maybe you can move on to another one if you wanted to like i'm probably going to look at some of the others just simply because one of the things i was wanting to see was like how much bandwidth and then the ability to do some qos type stuff that there's a little bit but it's not much uh, in the uh in the free versions of uh untangled appliances
0: all right. Uh, let's move on now to the next one on their list, ClearOS, which, if memory serves, used to be called the Clark Connect Server, um, and it is um, it is not just a UTM; it's not just a firewall. UTM again, I said unified threat management. So there's firewall, there's antivirus, there's uh, anti malware, unified threat management. That's what that is. That's what these devices are. ClearOS is also a print server, is also a mail server, is also a um, it's a super server. Active Directory. It does anything you want it to do. And does it really well and is, in again, my experience is a little old with it. Chris, maybe you have more recent experience. It is like one step below Untangle in terms of graphical, beautiful, easy-to-useness.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit less. Um, but as far as functionality-wise, it is just as powerful, if not more. Um, it's one of those things where you can get in trouble <laughs> by using it if uh, because it has so many things that interconnect. Um, mm-hmm. I I tried using it a couple of times. I haven't looked at it recently, but it has so many things that you can run through it. Um, it just kind of, for me, it was one of those moments of, oh, maybe I shouldn't be playing with this yet because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, when I was trying to put it into a, um, uh, at the school, and it was not something I wanted to deal with at the time for my house. So, um, but yeah, it's super feature rich. Um, uh, I'm trying to find a good picture of it. Yeah. And it's a, it's a web-based.
0: Interface. It's not the the fancy GUI Java thing that that Untangle has. It's web-based, uh but they're they're nice. They're clear. They're the they're understandable for the non-super tech. Uh but it, again, it requires a bigger, heavier box. It is a server. And you yeah. need to think of it as a server. And I never really liked using these all-in-one devices. I want my firewall off separate from everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you've got your Samba server and your mail server on the same box, I just, I don't trust that. Uh, the clear OS guys say it's okay. other people do the same thing. I don't trust it. But what clear OS is good about is you can have different boxes running the same OS doing different things. So you have clear OS over here, configured as a firewall over here, configured as a, as a web server over here, configured as a mail server. And you've got one, uh, interface to learn and to understand. So that's the way I would use it.
2: Yeah, it it's definitely one of those things where if you need, um, I would say it'd be great for a small business. You know, you had, if you did want to spend the money for Untangle, this would be the next step down from Untangle for as far as features and usability. This would be, a, I, I would say it's way overkill for a house, um, more suitable for a home, uh, a small business of less than 100 people, I would say.
1: Right. Does it have a uh, like untangle? And I forgot to mention this: has a one nick option configuration where if you have a box and you don't have a second nick, you can just have one, and it can kind of virtually be the in and the out at the same time. Does uh, ClearOS have that capability? I'm just I'm going to go out
0: on a limb here and say everything that we're talking about tonight can do that. The the single nick transparent proxy is a pretty standard feature.
1: Okay, and yeah, but you know, and again, that that's a good thing that somebody um, listening to us might not know off the top of their right. head is in their. It like, is
0: inherently less secure. Yes, but it that will is, work.
1: That's a good point to make as well. And See, that was I why say, I spent the money for a second nick.
0: Yeah, and and by money you're talking
1: eighteen bucks. It, it, you know, I, yeah, twelve actually. It was. Yeah. A, so yeah, it was not a lot of money.
2: I would say no matter what you're doing, if you're setting up one of these devices or one of these um, unified threat management systems, do separate NICs or even three NICs just so you have the versatility of a external-only card, an internal-only card, and then if you wanted the third card for your DMZ. That, and but,
0: Nick, in case you don't know, Network Interface Card.
1: Yep. Nick. Yeah, don't say Nick Card, you'll drive Mark crazy. Yes.
2: Nick Card. Do you
0: go to the ATM machine and put your PIN number in? Um, <laughs> okay, so next, going from gooeyness down, I'm going to say probably Sophos is the next in yep. the
2: list. I would say, too. Have you guys played a Sophos recently? After they-
0: I played with its grandfather, Astaro, way back. So okay. I'm out of the loop on this one.
2: Well, not really. It is the really. same.
1: Uh, it's the same whether you are a business or a home user. If you're a home user, it's free. If you're a business, it costs money. So I think there's probably tons of stuff it can do, but I, I have not played with it.
0: The The oldest Starro logo, by the way, was an example of me of how not to stylize a font because it looked just like the word bastard. <laughs> I do that,
2: yes, yes, I will agree <laughs> with you on that one.
0: So I'm walking around the conference floor and I see this 17 foot graphic sign that says Bastard Appliances. What? It got my attention,
2: <laughs> It got your attention. Yeah. Um, I haven't played with it since Sophos bought it out. Uh, I know when it was still a Starro, it was a, it was a true, tried and true. Unified Threat Management System. Um, I haven't played with it since Sophos got it, and I would guess that it's still just as good. I don't know. I would have to play with it to have anything more on it, but I would say um, don't spend a lot of time here unless you're willing to... From what I remember, the Astaro one was hard to figure your way through it.
0: Okay, I've I've tried to find one of their, their old logos. 'Cause that's where my brain is right now. So they had this um like three octagon um thing that looked like a B and then a star O and the O was stylized so that it looks like looked like a D. And I swear to swear to you <laughs> that it looked exactly like the word In time mastered. machine. <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to find one that I can can paste in the chat room so that you'll all see what I'm talking about. This is not this is one that where after they'd already started modifying it. So if you're in the chat room you'll see it. Um I may remember to put it in the show notes. It really Uh, does. Wow. Yeah. In the early, early days, it really looked just like the word bastard. And I said that to the salesman. I was like, what the heck are you thinking by having this here at this education conference? (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) So uh, Sophos is good. We don't have a lot of experience with it. So we can't give you an in-depth rundown other than everybody who uses it likes it. Um and it's it is it's one of those all the genie is all in one box. Yep. So you got to be a little more careful about how you, you know, source your hardware.
2: Well, and you also have to make sure that you're not turning things on that you don't want on. That's the other thing with any of these unified threat managements that have lots of stuff besides security and firewally stuff, you know, when you start adding print server and and file server on them, um if you don't need those things turned on, make sure you don't have them on. Right.
1: Yeah, that, that's like cutting a hole in this perfectly good wall and then wondering later how a fire jumped through it. Yeah. So I had a firewall. Of course, I cut out a big eight-foot-by-eight-foot section, and put but it was a firewall. In Doggone it. <laughs>
0: okay, so next up, um, I'm going to go with probably sense and maybe smooth wall mono wall which which one do you guys want to jump on they're probably uh, all even in the gooiness
2: yeah um well especially since um if you were to, for everyone's knowledge here the original was mono wall and then smooth wall broke off of that and then off of mono wall we also have pf sense that broke off of mono wall and open sense is now the grandchild of monowall via pf sense so that's kind of how this is breaking out um especially now that monowall is officially dead um according to their own website there is no longer going to be any more monowall goodness for anybody so if you're running monowall you'll probably be okay but maybe the next time you go to replace it look for some of the thing of that we've covered today so oh. the
0: children of MonoWall that I know well is SmoothWall. SmoothWall is great. Mm-hmm. It it's modular. Um It's it's one it's it's web it's not like again uh, untangle just takes the cake in terms of gooiness. It's a web interface, but you plug in different modules, uh, and it's I believe based on Perl if I remember correctly, or maybe have updated since then. So you you just drop in code, or you you tell it go get this code, and it go goes and gets it. It's a very good firewall. It has a built-in content filter. Uh, There are other content filters that you can add on to it. We haven't talked about this before, but all the things that we've mentioned before have web content filters. But SmoothWall is the one that I think is the the best. There have been other things based off of it. Uh, Dan, uh, a guy named Dan, wrote something called Dan's Guardian. It's the first thing that scanned web content, right? It wasn't just a URL blocker. It didn't just look the, for the word Playboy in the address. Mm-hmm. It scanned the page and looked for various references to nudity or you know whatever uh, you had it set for, and it was a weighted thing. So, if if the word breast was there that was minus 5 points if the word cancer was there that was uh plus 6 points so you could look at a breast cancer website but if if the word breast was there minus the word and the word cancer wasn't and the word um uh nude was there that's uh minus 6 points and anything that hits 10 uh, minus 10 or below is blocked so it really it was the first smart firewall uh uh the smoothwall community hired dan and he now r- writes their tool called Smooth Guardian. Uh, so it's, the, it's what I think is the best content filter out there. Others are good. That one I think is better. Um, but, and again, that's my review of, of, of SmoothWall. It's good. It's solid. It works. It runs on a small box. I ran it on an on a old first-gen Pentium running 8 gigs of RAM. Excuse me, 8 megs of RAM. Megs of RAM. But that was a while back. Uh, it's it's I'm sure it has been upgraded since then. IP cop is an offshoot of that one that I've also used. Um so that's my review of of Smoothwall. It's good, it's solid, it's been around a long time. Um Chris is a pfSense Sense
2: user. Yeah, though, I will say something about Smoothwall. I had the worst time trying to get when I was going between PF Sense and Smooth Wall and Monowall, trying to figure out which one is gonna be my router software of choice. Um, I could not get steam to work through smooth wall or mono wall, no matter what I did. it just would not mm. it would not reach through um, it's too secure yeah it, it was just it would not let me loosen the reins enough to allow steam to make its connections out. same thing about with my Wii and my playstation could not get it, and to you weren't up.
0: willing to turn on UPnP and let it happen
2: well, I did even. But it oh, really? was still it was still so tight that it wouldn't let those packets through. That so it would let me be online with Steam and all my other clients. Um, so I ended up. That's why I ended up in PF sense. Just for everyone's knowledge. Um, but I've been PF sense now for almost eight years, nine years, something like that. Um, and Which
0: means that your smooth wall experience is dated as very, well. Very much. So let's let's be honest there
2: um and yeah it may, may be a totally different story now um but i have i've that's why i'm wondering if it's time for me to start you know widening my gaze and look at some of the other options um but i'll go down pf sense road for a little bit um the install for pf sense is a pain it's end cursors so it's all text driven you have to know which um card is the correct card for your red interface or your green interface Um, and for those that don't know red is your external card and green is your internal card Um, but in the newer versions once you get it installed because after you pick those it does everything else for you you don't have to do anything else for the base level but once you get into the dashboard that's when things get that's where people start getting a little you know, hard to figure out where everything is because it's not labeled as clearly as I think it should be. Um, but they do have large lists of packages, which would be plugins like Untangled has. Um, I think currently,
0: are you running the current version of pfSense? I am.
2: I am running okay. the most current version, and it it they just recently changed their package list to actually be able to sort things by a category. Before you had a long laundry list of things that were alphabetized. So when you wanted to get down to say installing squid for your proxy, you had to actually go all the way down to find squid in the list. And it was a daunting list to get through. They also cover different versions of a lot of different software. So if you want squid, you know, there's like six different, there's six different things that say squid in it. Because there's Squid 2, they have Squid 2 or Squid 3, and then they have the different levels that, or different things that plug into those those versions of Squid. So Squid's Guardian or, anyway. There's a lot of things here and a lot of tools that you may not ever need. Um, so definitely be, it's a lot of times where you're going to look at the, pro- the package and go, okay, that looks like something I want. Go read about it before you install it.
0: And and just by the way, all of these are administered through a web browser. Mm-hmm. Even on Tango, even if you're working on the machine, right? You've got it plugged into a big two gig uh, processor running multiple cores, and you plug in, and you, you've got a monitor and a keyboard. You're still going to look at a web interface yep. to do it. So all of these things. But but when we get to this point down from um, from uh, PF Sense and and you know down, uh, we're looking at a web page that is. A, a point old fashioned HTML table with a select box and a drop down menu. Uh, we we've abandoned pretty. Yeah. At this point,
2: we're very much beyond pretty at this point. Um, but I, that also ya.
0: means you can run these things on a 386. You can run them on a Pi. You can run well, them on anything you've got running. Around. Anything below
2: anything below PF Sense, I would say you'd be all right. I would still not run this PF Sense on a. Um, on a uh a pie or anything of that level um just because of the multi threads that it it generates doing its its thing. Um let's see. Um but the, as far as your built in stuff, they have things built in for like traffic shaping, if you want to have timeout schedules. Um those are all built in. They're not add in packages. They're standard. You just have to turn them on. Um One of the new things that they added that was really nice is a watchdog service. So if something, say, goes down in the middle of the night, like, say, Squid decides that, oh, I'm done, I had an error, the watchdog service will automatically restart it for me.
0: Squid, by the way, is the caching proxy.
2: Yes. Squid
0: Squid caches everything you do so that the next time you want to do that same thing, it doesn't have to go out to the Internet for you.
2: Yeah, it, it's a transparent proxy. At least that's how normally it's set up. Um, right. In every, No matter what uh, they call the package, most of the time it's squid in uh, right. on its underpinning. Even the untangled gooey prettiness, you're still dealing with squid underneath. So just remember that. Because
0: what you do is you go out to the Internet you cache it locally, you examine the data locally, decide what to do with it, and then hand it off to the user or block it from the user.
2: Right. Right. And also the nice thing about um, any form of bandwidth capturing like like with Squid is that also means if, say, you have it configured to cache your antivirus updates or your Windows updates, um, you only have to download them once and all of your devices get them locally which
0: means you got to make sure you've got storage on the machine correct a a fair amount of it well and but in this world where an sd card can be 16 gigs you know bigger easily yeah don't worry about
2: it yeah um right now like i have my stuff pretty i have pretty much everything going through the the squid proxy and being cached and i'm still because i have it terminating after a couple of days and it has to re-download it then i have it's The whole system sitting on a what two hundred and fifty gig hard drive, and I'm barely even using it. Uh, I think I'm at what thirty five percent, and that includes all the caching. So all the YouTube my kids watch, the first time they hit it, it's now you know it's a it's a network draw. The second time they hit it, it's just a it's just or the first time they hit it, it's ISP draw. The second time they hit the same video. It's local. It never actually makes it back out to the Internet.
0: And and kids are known to watch the same video over and over. I don't know if you've noticed
2: that. Oh, but, uh. hence the reason it's <laughs> turned on. <laughs> um, makes a big difference. Uh, I was really shocked when I turned it on in my house to see how much traffic is being captured and reused versus refetched. Um, one of those things that it was definitely a nice thing to have turned on. Um, but again, it's one of those things like I don't have any traffic shaping going on anymore because the last time I went sh- through this to try to set it up, I blew up my network. Um, so I, so
0: we've talked, we've mentioned traffic shaping several times. Let's talk about what that is. Uh, uh, traffic shaping is I want, uh, YouTube bandwidth to have X amount. I want Netflix to have X plus five. Mm-hmm. okay uh i want uh, uh web traffic to have x minus 5 so you get to say that uh, it's setting priority right in some systems it is literally deci- defining a a range of bandwidth right um where you say uh youtube gets uh 56k of bandwidth, <laughs> um, and so it just can't ever go beyond that. But most of them now—that's that's sort of the old way to do it. Most of the things now you set priority. So right. uh, ten is the highest. This one gets ten. It gets premium level. Everything goes behind that. So if you're running, you know, voice over IP, it gets ten. Right. Uh, email. You put it at 1. It gets very little because it doesn't matter if your email gets there on the first try or the 50th try. Um, it's still going to get there, uh, and it'll be just fine. Uh, Netflix, you want way up there because if you if you drop a Netflix packet, you notice it. Right. So that's what right. – when we talk about traffic shaping, that's what that is.
2: And everything has some form of traffic shaping. You know, Even if it's all the way down at the lowest level, like with a DDWRT, there's traffic shaping built into that. Or the the cheap Linksys Blue Box, or all the way up to the super powerful uh, Untangle box. You have traffic shaping in all of them. The qu- the difference is is how well the traffic is shaped and how 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 much doesn't fall into bleed over. Because um, I noticed that if you like, right now I don't have any, and nobody really feels any differences. But when I go to if I go to shape it. I'm not going to do it during the show, but if I go to shape it and I misconfigure it, um, I've actually almost locked myself out of my own server because I traffic-shaped the wrong way, and, yeah, it was it was a mess.
0: Yeah, bad things.
2: Bad things will happen if you're not careful. Um, the other thing that I'll bring up about PFSense is that, like I said earlier at the beginning of the show, they do have... It's a freemium plan, so you are the the f- free version and the paid version are the exact same model there there's nothing different between the two as far as what comes on the disk but if you're a gold, what they call a gold member you get online support so somebody just like with Piet with Untangle somebody will answer your phone call or your email and actually give you the the answer or help you configure it correctly for your place um and I know and I'm I'm on the fence about doing the the gold subscription because it's not very expensive. Um it's only $99 a year. So Yeah,
0: and if that's if you get good value out of that, it's worth
2: it. Well, and it, you know most of the time once you once you get yourself set up, so the first year you use that as a configuring year, and once you're set up, you could probably cancel your gold subscription and never touch your PF Sense box again. Right. So.
0: so I'm going to move on in the sense of, uh, for the sake of time, and I'm going to lump DDWRT, Tomato, OpenWRT, all into one bucket. Yeah, that's okay? fair. So these these are dev- designed to replace the firmware on existing router devices. So they're not designed to stick uh, in a machine with a hard drive, um and you can do that with all of these but that's not what their purpose is so the one i'm running right now is ddwrt uh it came on my buffalo router um and i've i've updated it a couple of times since then and it is um limited right so now you're running on this tiny processor you're running on uh, an arm processor similar to what's in your phone uh running at uh you know less than a gigahertz for certain and and you have uh you know a few megs of ram not even in the gig range of memory so you would think that it's pretty limited at this point but it's not the thing is it doesn't take much to do most of this stuff it, this all starts with what's called stateful packet inspection so it mm-hmm. um, everything that comes in every bit of data is wrapped up into an internet packet and these things grab that packet Open it up, look at it, make a decision as to what to do with it. Do I reject it? Do I send it on? And if I do send it on, where do I send it? And even the cheapest stuff can do this a million times a second. So you can get, you know, you can get uh, several megabits of bandwidth through the cheapest hardware. So that's why I talk about the blue box. You go buy a Linksys router, that is running a chip the size of a penny. <laughs> um that's got uh, like four volts running through it right and it's running in it's not in gigahertz you don't measure this clock speed in gigahertz you measure it in megahertz and in the range of like 70 megahertz i mean it is really slow but it can do all this and it can do it just fine um so the ddwrt uh lets you uh because you're running on a device that is doesn't have storage you can pop in a usb drive or uh, uh identify a box on your network as your. Caching, so you can still have a squid cache. It just offloads that to another device. Uh, you can still have, um, you know, you can you can uh, on mine, for example. I've got a hard drive plugged into it, and that hard drive is now accessible uh, through my whole LAN. So it has shared the contents of that hard drive. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to, I could share it over the WAN. I, I don't. Um, I don't trust that. Uh, I use you know Dropbox and other services that f- focus on that to do that sort of thing. But you could set up your own Dropbox using one of these devices. Um, and, uh, tomato is like unto it. It's very similar. Um, Open WRT is even a, a more minimalist, minimalist alternative to the DD So it's designed to, to go again on these other devices or, uh, they have spins for like pies. That's a, that's a, a thing out there. That's pretty big right now. Taking these small system on a chip things that you can pick up for $35 and building your own. Why would you want to do that? because there's probably not any chinese spyware on it if you do that <laughs> probably um, a all of these things all of these things are open uh all of them are built on open source or are completely open source so untangle for example uh guards their fancy stuff but all the stuff it runs on is open source um and if you're a geek or you know a geek or you want to hire a geek for a few hours to 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 go through the code and make sure there's no chinese spyware You can do that. You have that option if you're a tinfoil hat guy. Um, So I'm running DDWRT. Like it a lot. Uh, I have run Smoothwall. Liked it a lot. Um, Chris is a big fan of PFSense. We all love Untangle. Uh, ClearOS, we like, but we think it's overkill. Sophos, we've heard good things about.
1: But I (laughs) hate the company.
0: Yeah. So that's pretty much our rundown of the most common ones out there right now. So it all depends on what you want to do. If you've got a big box to throw at it and you want things dirt simple, Untangle's the way to go. If you've got another box that you bought and you're not sure you trust it, DDWRT or Tomato is the way to go. Yeah. If you're somewhere in between, you've got a smaller box uh, and you want to roll your own, then something like PF Sense or SmoothWall is the way to go.
2: Yep, I would say that's a good categorizing it. Um, I would definitely say if money is not an option, Untangle is definitely worth every penny. You know the pay, yeah. and the nice thing about un about their the way they do their payment scale is you can also add packages a la carte. So if you only want to pay for uh the the, the, the I don't remember what their their malware package is, but if you only wanted the malware package, you could pay for the malware package and that's it. Or if you only wanted the caching package, you could pay for the caching package. So it's kind of a nice way of doing it.
0: Yeah. I ran tangle, Untangle in a VM for a year at my school with 700 users behind it as an experiment. I just threw it up there to see what it would do, and it worked so well I didn't take it down. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until I mean we, we got into the terabits per day of data before that couldn't handle it. And so then I threw it on like a $300 Dell box, um, and it was fine for uh, 1,000 devices and nearly 1,000 users uh, running uh, through a 150-megabit pipe. So it's it's amazing. You don't need a lot to do most of this stuff.
2: Yeah. See, at the school that I left, um, we ended up putting Untangle on a way overkill system. Um, When I called to get some support for moving our config files, um, the 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 guy goes. Um, I was on the phone with him, and he goes, "Um, hold on a second, I need to talk to my boss for a minute." And he was remoted in, and I'm like, "Um, okay." And so he comes back on the phone, and I could hear his boss in the background. They have this running on what? Because we we <laughs> bought a we you know at, at the time we we're we we threw, we figured you know if we're gonna per- spend this much money on this the product because they have the the education premium package. Um, If they're going to spend that much money on the product, that they might as well spend the good money on good hardware. And so it's sitting on like a Dell Xeon server (laughs) with like 24 gigs of RAM. Uh, I think it's a RAID 5 uh, solid-state array of of i think it's only 120 gig hard drives but it's arrayed five of them i mean way overkill and they were looking at the server logs and they're like man you're never going to touch the capacity on this machine right. for like probably the next 20 years the
0: pentagon could run on that machine
2: <laughs> but you know if you're going to get budget for it you might as well buy it so you don't have to budget for it ever again
1: True. All right, you got to use your budget, or they'll give you a smaller one next year. That's the component right.
0: atoms will fall apart before you <laughs> use the capacity of that machine.
2: I know, I, but I was like, because you, know, you know, they told me, you know, price it for sky's the limit. I'm like, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so there's our look at uh, firewalls and stuff, and we have no time for news. I'm sorry, Seth uh we're already into an hour and a half and and uh but this was a geek topic and and i know we're still going to get complaints that we didn't cover it deeply enough um so this hey, hey, is where let's, you're...
1: let's do this last story um because it totally goes with our security thing of the week and we don't have to cover it much but okay we got to do go. it um, so seth's lead in for this one is compared to this kid you're stupid and lazy and if i if my bandwidth was working i could tell you but basically this guy hacked a car with a circuit board he spent like $15 on electronic components and wired the circuit board up one night and then he was able to remote into a car and um uh, so compared to this kid we're all freaking idiots and i hate forbes.com because yeah, that i can't get to stupid page that yep. comes up but um so this 14 year old boy stunned the automotive industry by showing how to hack into connected cars with 15 dollars of simple electronic gear he bought from radio shack <laughs> which that's the whole reason radio shack went bankrupt the automotive industry didn't want anybody else doing this um uh, of course they didn't say what make the vehicle was but they talk about how this is a uh, pivot moment in the automotive industry <laughs> he could
0: unlock the doors remote start the engine set the wipers going make the car play music from his mobile phone and nice. then just to blast the points he flashed the lights of the
1: music to the beat yeah the 14 year old boy built his on circuit board overnight <laughs>
2: wow so
1: this is why security is important and i think we're going to get untangled on all of the vehicles
0: oh and i love this response uh dr Anukas nuka lead scientist for the organization uh said uh for the automakers participating they realized
1: huh the barrier to entry is far lower than we thought yeah think. (laughs) yeah you don't have to be an engineer you can be a kid with 14 (laughs) dollars So, wow
2: that's impressive. yeah i just
1: i wanted to share that story because that's it's a freaking amazing
2: that's a kid who had some time on his hands and just decided to have a good time
1: i bet his name is boris
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i wonder if he has a job working for the automotive industry now
2: well, i'm sure if he doesn't he will soon
0: that or he's he's jacking cars left and right and right. selling them <laughs> gone in 60 seconds gone in $14 <laughs> yeah. man so yeah, I that's,
1: just wanted that's to horrible. share that one story at least because that's that's amazing you know and again they didn't give the kid's name but my hats off to you man you're awesome definitely
2: i'll give you a salute man that's awesome
1: all right and Seth while
0: you're at it what have you got this week to lower my productivity so that you look like a better hiring option
1: okay well this week i just um thought i would take it easy on people and just give you a link to a couple of photos um these are just websites uh one is mashable and one is locker gnome um uh, <laughs> i love the photographer puts marvel superheroes in not so super <laughs> situations and then, so it's like it's like the hulk trying to cut thor's hair all of the heroes lined up peeing. It's just kind of funny things with that. Black Widow
0: shaving the Hulk's armpit is nice. Yes.
2: Um I don't know. I I thought the one where they're cutting over, you know, Ghost Rider's head was pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and then the other one is just um eleven places getting bleeped by winter. It just shows some how deep the snow has fallen in certain places and what people have done to kinda uh, you know have some fun with the snow so uh from people tunneling out of the front door because the snow snacked overhead to people running and swimming in snow because it's so deep just some things to kind of look through and uh look through and enjoy
0: global warming man it's a killer
1: it is
2: swimming in right. snow. that's impressive
0: and stupid yeah um so compared to that 14 year old kid this guy's brain dead. Um <laughs> So, all right, this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can tell me uh, what we left out this week. Did we leave out your favorite product? Did we give a, uh, a bad review to something you love or a good review to something you hate? Let us know by going to elementop.com. Click the Contact Us button at the top of the page, and that will send us a nicely formatted email that gets priority in my inbox. If you want to send the email yourself, you don't trust me, you can send it to edl at elementop.com. That goes to all three of us. Or if you would like to have your very own voice right over here, long beside mine here on this show you can do that by calling 559-IMOP that's a free call anywhere in north america or just send me an audio file if you're outside north america and uh we would love to have you on the show uh did i leave anything out guys anything else
2: live long and prosper all right
0: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys for being awesome hosts that you are. This was one of the Geek Tastic shows uh that we've had. The last couple of shows have been very light on computer and very heavy on philosophy. So we tried to to double up on the computer this week. And you know what? There was even some Linux involved. So, uh quite a bit. Go us. Um, So, guys, thanks for being the awesome host that you are. Listener, thank you for being the awesome listener that you are. Uh, I went and looked at our iTunes uh, page the other day, which was painful and difficult, and and I understand uh, why. But the fact is we have one review for the year of 2015 so far. You guys can do better than that. We challenge you. To the jerk who rated us one star without a review, you're just a coward, man. Um I just I hate it when people do that If you're gonna put one star, give me a reason why
2: um, or or else you know maybe we'll find out who you are and and we'll
0: oh let's not go that far <laughs> um, and
2: we'll, we'll make a fun fourteen
1: year old kid on your vehicle. <laughs>
2: Hey, wait! My so kids So I would appreciate
0: a rating and review in the iTunes store. Uh, I would appreciate better a good rating and review. Uh, but you know, honestly, I'm not mad at the guy who gave us one star. If we think, if you think we're worth one star, give us one star. But tell me why. Tell me what I can do to get up to one and a half. Um, also, you know, whatever, however else you listen to the show via Stitcher or FM, last FM or whatever, uh, let, uh, whatever the rating system is there, we appreciate it if you do that. And best of all, just tell people about it. Uh, let them know that not every show is as geeky as this one and not every show is as philosophy as some of the last ones we've done. And we kind of do things um, all around. It's, it's not just Linux. It's life in the context of Linux. So with that said, I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux.